Welcome to Monastic Retreats. I'm Dr. Robert Puff. In this podcast, we're going to be having an interview with Brother Andre, who is one of the monks at the Monastery for Christ in the Desert in New Mexico. Let's begin. Welcome, Brother Andre. Thank you. Good to be here. So tell me a little bit about your background. Where were you born and a little bit about that? Yeah, I was born in Connecticut in 1948. Uh, my parents were originally from French Canada, but I was born in the States and uh, never really spoke French. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> and were, we, were you raised Catholic? Yeah, oh yes, we were all Catholic. I went to Catholic school for six years. Uh, okay, and then what happened next? What made you decide to think about even going into the ministry at all, of any sorts? Well, going to Catholic school, I was... Uh, we were taught, of course, by the sisters. And so I knew about sisters, I knew about the priests. But I didn't really know much about monastic life at that time. So I thought maybe I wanted to be a priest. But then after a while, I did, a few years went by, I said, no, that's not my vocation. So I left that idea for some years. But during high school, I learned about monastics, monastic life. Uh, so then I became interested in that at the time. I was going to a passionist retreat house in West Hartford, and um, I thought maybe that might be the life for me, but it turned out it didn't. So uh, after high school, I went to work. What'd you do at first? Well, what I did at, for work, it was in a bindery. We made magazines. Hmm. I did that for 15 years. My parents were elderly, so I took care of them until they passed away. And, the last one was in 1981. So after that, I started looking around for monasteries. Oh, okay. So you didn't start right young. You did it later then. Yes. Okay. okay. And then again, do you think I went back to high school where you're exposed to monastic experiences that I, maybe I want to do that? It was time to look? So in high school, I didn't, I really only knew about the passionists where I was going on a retreat. Uh, they were founded as more of a contemplative active order. But by the time I reached, you know, in the 60s, in the teenage years, in high school, they were, they had changed, especially around Vatican II, from a very contemplative to more active style. But still, I, I um, applied to them anyway. After high school, I was 19 years old, uh, but uh, they said, no, I wasn't ready yet. Okay. And then when your parents died, then you decided to join? When my parents died, well, uh, I knew the passionist wasn't for me anymore. Uh, I had learned about uh, Benedictines and Trappists. I uh, read Thomas Merton's autobiography, The Seven Story Mountain. So that got me interested in the Trappist. Great book. Yeah. So what I did was, um, after my parents both died, I had worked in a factory 15 years now. I went to the Trappist in Spencer, Massachusetts. And did a, I visited them twice, and I was very interested in joining them. But they wanted me to look around, which is very wise. You know, you don't uh, you find out what's out there, what kind of other options there would be. So I went to the Benedictines in uh, Massachusetts, in uh, Still River. And I did, uh, going there quite a bit. Finally, I did an observership, which is the first stage of living with the monks, uh, normally it's a month as a layman 
I did that, and then I uh, was permitted to return, and for, after a couple of months, to do what they call the postulancy. That's a six-month period, uh, pre-novitiate time. Uh, in the meantime, before I did that, I came out west to visit the friend who I had met at Spencer when I was with the Trappist for a week. And uh, he showed me uh, Christ in the Desert, which is in New Mexico. My friend was living in Santa Fe. So I asked, I really liked it here. I spent a weekend here. I asked if I can come back and be an observer. And they said, well, we'll let you know. So after three weeks, they wrote me a letter saying, come on down. So that's what I did. What year was this? That was 1982. Okay. And about a year after my, my uh, parents died. And I've been here ever since, more or less. Wow. So what, what, what do you think drew you to the monastic life? What was it in your heart or in your mind? What drew you? That's a good question. Sometimes I answer that. A lot of times when guests ask me that, why I became a monk, I say, well, I'll ask you a question in return. Why did you choose your career? Basically because that's what you wanted to do. You wanted to be a teacher, doctor, whatever. And for me, I thought, I, thought I wanted to be a monk. God knows what's the best for each one of us, how we're going to grow best spiritually. And he instilled that in us. And he somehow instilled that in my heart to be a monk. So that's why I became a monk. And also I think the other reason too is because I wanted more of a structured life where I could, you know, at home I couldn't do the life I wanted to do. I couldn't have all the prayer times I wanted, I didn't have the discipline to do it, didn't have the discipline to read the Bible every day, you know, and so forth. I knew in a monastery that we provided for. Yeah, I think that is one of the big benefits. I talk about that a lot in the podcast, that it provides that structure that I think we can do it at home, but it is much harder. So. Oh, yeah, it's much, much harder because, uh, like, I was living with my parents, so I worked all day. I come home, you know, you have supper with, the, with the, your parents, and we then you sit around and watch TV, time to go to bed. Yeah. And that's it. Then the next day, the same thing over and over. Uh, so it's very difficult. Some people can do it. I remember one time... We had a guest here. She said, oh, she meditated an hour or two every day and all this stuff. And I says, wow, boy, I can't do that. But my superior told me, yeah, maybe I cannot do that. But this person who lives out in the world probably cannot live in a monastery either. That's true. So we each have our own vocation. Uh, and, and you can't really say one is better than the other, just where God wants us to be. And uh that's our vocation. So it sounds like what you're suggesting the listener to do is listen to the heart, and if they're being called to join the monastic life, to consider that instead of pushing it away. That's correct. Like I said, God will somehow put that in your heart, that, that he wants you to be a monk or a nun or, or a priest in, in, you know, in, in the outside world, uh, and to follow that and, and look into it. Uh, and don't wait too late. If you wait too late, if you're, you know, 55, 60, or even a little bit younger, it can be more difficult to adapt to monastic life. you got to do it. It's easier when you're younger. Uh, get your college if you want to go to college and so forth. Learn about the world some. But don't wait too long to join the monastery.
Now, what, what's the name of the monastery you're at here? What's it called? This monastery is called Christ in the Desert. It was founded in 1964 from monks from Mount Savior Monastery in Elmira, New York. Okay, and what now what has been the jobs that you do here? Because I know monks often have jobs. What's your job been? Oh, yes, you know, in the monastic life, you know, St. Benedict uh, kind of breaks up the life into more or less two sections or two areas. Let order at the bottom, prayer and work. Monks have to work. So my job here, main job, is that I'm the guest master. I take care of the guests, make the reservations, sort of like in, going between between the guests and the monks. Um, I'm also in charge of some of the monks uh, who made their first vows. When you make vows are for three years, they're called junior monks. So I'm the kind of junior master. Okay. Now, as far as your life here, what do you feel are the things that you enjoy the most about being a monk? That's a hard question, I think, because it's it's it's, it's not just one thing. I think it's a combination of all together. Because uh, I like the prayer life in church, uh, but that doesn't mean that we're. Oh boy, it's time to go to church now. Oh boy, let's go. It's not like that, you know. It's some days you're you're maybe you don't feel like going to church and pray. <laughs> maybe you don't feel well or, or whatever it is. But uh, I think the combination, I think, of the the prayer life and the community, having the brothers, uh, we support each other and help each other in the camaraderie that we have in the monastery. Uh, I think that's very important. Uh, if you're not a social person, don't go to a monastery because it's very social. You live with your these people 24-7 and, and, and there's no break. Uh, so you have to be able to, to accept people. How many monks are here at this monastery right now? Does it vary, I'm sure? but We're in uh, about 35 now. We've got uh, right now about 15 novices. Some are from Vietnam. We have some from... Um, one from Kenya, right? One, yes, two from Kenya. I have one from Malawi. In fact, he just made his vows. Uh, he's a junior monk now. We have one from Mexico. Uh, so we have, we're getting monks from different parts of the world. Wow, that's great. So are there challenges of being a monk, for you at least? Are there any challenges with it? Yes, of course, there are challenges no matter what life you choose. Nothing is going to be smooth all the time. Even in a monastery, people who come to the monastery as guests in the guest houses, and they say, oh, it's so peaceful, the monastery, the brothers are so nice, oh, it's wonderful. But it's not always like that. People are people, we're not perfect, we have our ups and downs, we have our, some days we're cranky and whatnot, whatnot. Uh, you have personality. Uh, they tell us when we come to the monastery, we don't have to like all the brothers in community because of personality, uh, chemistry, whatever. But we have to learn to love them. And that's where the, the spirituality can really grow that way. And you have to go out to yourself and, and be good to them, even though you might not necessarily like them. So they say the hardest part of living in community is living in community. <laughs> now, you were saying there's stages of becoming a monk. Can you explain that to the listeners? Yes, usually they come first, as like I said before, as an observer, where you live in a community, but you're still a layman. Uh, that could be a month or less or a little more. 
Then after that, you become a postulant, which means to ask, to question, to postulate. Um, that can be three or four months. At that time, you get the tunic. It's a, it's like a robe. People call it a robe. It's the, the tunic with the belt. After that, you become a novice. Uh, the novice at this, at this time in our monastery is for a year and a half. You get uh, the scapular, which is like a, an overgarment that goes over your tunic with a hood. During that time, you have classes every day. There's classes of scripture, uh, the rule of St. Benedict, that's where Benedictines. Uh, you get classes in scripture, liturgy, chant, all uh, that you might need to, to know about trying to become a monk. And then after that, you make your vows. After you finish your novitiate, you make vows. Now the church makes it now so that, that when you make your first vows, are for three years. That's church canon law now. In Benedict's time, once you finish your novitiate, you make your lifetime vows. Not anymore. Just the church gives us time to, to really make sure this is what we want to do. At the end of the three years, you can make your final vows, which means that they're permanent. Or you can go home and uh, you're free to do what you like. And what percentage? I've heard different percentages. What do you find as percentage that people finish all the way to the end? I think the national average, if that's correct way of putting it, I think is maybe 30%. I might be wrong. Uh, I think here it's been a little bit higher than that. But still, there are people who will leave either during their temporary vows, those three-year vows, or people do leave sometimes in their um, final vows, their permanent vows. Uh, we cannot keep them here. It's not a prison. Uh, but to be That's free from their vows... We have to petition the congregation, our congregation in Rome. And they will, ones that give you the, what's called dispensation to be free from your vows. That's after you become a full monk then? Well, that's either for your temporary vows or your or final vows. Okay, okay. So it is a place, if people are thinking about it, you don't have to necessarily say, I'm going to be a monk for the rest of my life, but I want to explore the possibility of becoming a monk. That's where people can come here, right? Yes, but once you, we always tell them, once you come even as a novice, think of it as going to be a lifetime uh, a job, you might call it. Uh, uh, don't think, yeah, I'm going to go, I'll try it for a couple of years. No, no, no. If God's really calling here, think of it as a lifetime job, a lifetime career. You'll be a monk for life. And never leave the monastery until you get your superiors okay. Because sometimes we get discouraged, like we do in all aspects of different careers. You know, we got good days and bad days. But the superiors, we know if you, this certain person has a vocation or not. And we will not keep them here if we think they don't have a vocation anymore. But if we, if we think they do, they're just going through a rough time, we advise them to stay and stick it out a little longer. Now, you're, since you're in charge of the guests that come here, what do you what do you observe with the guests that come on retreat? What do you see with them? What kind of observations about why are they here and how does it benefit them? Most people come, I think, for they want a spiritual renewal, maybe like a little booster shot. They want to get away from the world where the the hustle and bustle, the rat race, and so forth. So they want to come to a place where here where it's quiet and they can pray and try to get their spiritual life together again. 
or just to get away from the whole world and be quiet. Uh, some people come here and they, they don't want to talk. They put a, a little medallion on, which we provide, so they can be quiet and just be, listen to God in their, in their heart. Well, thank you again for sharing and you know, spending time to talk to me a little bit about your life here. And, and since you're now in charge of the guests, if people come here, they may possibly meet you. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, if you make reservations, we do that online. Go to our website and uh, make your request, and I will get back to you. And hopefully I'll meet some of you people someday here. I bet you will. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye. You've been listening to Monastic Retreats. If you'd like to learn more about the world of Monastic Retreats and where you can stay around the world, please visit www.monasticretreats.com. Until next time, be at peace, be still.